0: Thank you. We're going to just go directly to the Word this morning, and uh, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Today I've got a number of scriptures I'm going to go through, and, uh, you know, Easter is is such a landmark time of year, and, you know, it's it's not just about the that day on Calvary, which it is that, but it's... You couple that together with Easter Sunday, and, and it, it, it's just a tremendous time for the believer. And so we want to just honor the Lord in all we do and say this morning, pray that He would just make Himself more real. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start reading this in verse 25. We're also going to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and then John chapter 17. But Matthew 11, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Now notice verse 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And he says, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So if we're true believers and we understand and we walk with God, we know that this was the very life of the Father in the Son. And, and it was the very God, Jehovah, that became flesh. And so it, it's, it was always hidden. It was, it was not just something you could walk to and understand intellectually, but it was going to be by revelation, or it was going to be sealed to the unbeliever, and only at a time God would make real. But all things are delivered unto Him. So I want you to keep that thought as we go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read there starting in verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order... Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, whom whom he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet." The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet, and when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which he put all things under him, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Amen. God bless his word this morning. You may have your seats. And uh, I want to, by the Lord's grace, we have to put a title, I suppose, to our our services. And it's not like there's something profound here. Sometimes the minister is just being moved by how God moves him. And some, you know, I, I was reading here the other day where Brother Branham would say, The prophets didn't always understand what they were writing, but they were moved of the Holy Ghost. So we're not just trying to convey my understanding to you, but I'm just trying to convey what God laid on my heart, and then let God (laughs) take care of the rest. And so we're here this morning to serve God and to serve His purpose, and we want to give Him the preeminence in the service. So it's me yielding, it's you yielding, it's not trying to figure out where's, you know, this is Brother Eddie's this thing, we want God to come and speak to us and minister to us. Brother Ray and I were just talking in the office and we were both talking about the the message that Brother Branham preached that day on Calvary, we listened to it on Friday and and I listened, we listened as a family and then I went out and listened to it again and and just allowed the Lord to really minister, and it I, I just struck me so much. And I, I said, Lord, we, we were unworthy, but you came, and and I, how grateful we are, how grateful we ought to be. Amen. So this morning, I want to speak on on eternal life being delivered under seal, eternal life being delivered under seal. and. I'm going to try and follow what God's put on my heart, but I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 17. This is uh, a profound portion of Scripture. This is Jesus. If you want to look, really, it's the prayer, the last prayer of the Lord. It's the last thoughts. It's he's lived out his life. He's lived out 33 years on earth he's about to go to, he's he's in Gethsemane, he's praying, he's about to go to the cross, he's about to endure suffering on a level, but this is now his last words, this is is him speaking, and he says in verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Asked Thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So we talked about in, unto Jesus was delivered, all these things. that was given to him. And, and he would reveal himself only to, to a certain group. So now he says he's, got, he's been given this power. Verse 3, it said, This is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on earth, I have finished the work that Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with Thine own self, with the glory I had with Thee before the world was. I have now, this is really the the crux of where I'm going to try to take my thought, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. That's talking to those that were with him at that time. Drop down to verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world. In other words, My time on earth is about to leave, but these are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So he's leaving, but he's saying this is not the end of this eternal life that's been expressed on earth. There's another part of this that still is going to be manifest after my flesh leaves this earth. There's going to be a continuation of this life in my disciples. So that's, that's really the crux of where I want to get to. It might take me a, a while. It always feels like I, I need to do that just to labor and to go where we're going. 2 Peter 2 verse 9 says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Uh, last, last weekend we really spoke on the conditions prior to the exodus, and and we're living in a time when there's a convergence of forces that are coming together. We talked about how the economies of the world are moving, how politics are moving, how people are moving, and we could even talk about how the earth is groaning. But really it's two powers that are at work here. It's demon powers that are in the world moving and governing all these things. But there's also the power of God. And and these two are coming to a great head at this time. And and throughout time there's always been the struggle of good and evil. But the time of Easter as it was 2,000 years ago represented a coming together of those forces in a great way. The greatest battle that was ever fought was fought at that time. And it was fought in the Garden of Gethsemane when God came down in flesh. When he came and he labored and he had to give his own will and he had to sacrifice the glory and take on the shame. Now, that that didn't just happen because he wanted us to feel sorry for him. But he did that with the thought of us in mind. He did that looking at you and me. Hebrews chapter 12, or in, in verse 1, it says, and he says, because he saw the glory, because he saw the fellowship, because he saw what he would have with us, he endured the shame. He went through that. In other words, he saw beyond the current condition. And I want to say today, let's be looking beyond the current condition. Let's be looking beyond just this life. Let's be looking to something greater. Let something capture us today as it caught him in that day. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if I can say it this way. Jesus, there was a point that he came to where it was the point of no return. He came to a place where he had to fully surrender and go down a certain path. And I will say, the world has come, or if it hasn't come, it's coming to a point of no return. There will be no rescue. For the economies of the world within themselves. They're going to have to turn to another source. There will be no rescue for America as a nation anymore. There will still be people in America that will be saved. There will be no more turning back for the foolish virgin. That denies the fullness of the word that is in the earth today. There there is a point of no return that's coming. And there's a point of no return for the bride. There's a point where I've left this world behind. I'm not going to go any further with this world. But I'm throwing it all into one thing. I'll say one thing. If you haven't noticed it, you know, you can live, we can live with a lot less than we used to live with. Oh, i got to go shopping and look at the latest dresses and look at the latest, uh, um, let's not pick on one gender here only. But let's, i got to look at the latest tractors. You know, so, you know what, I'll tell you what, we can do without a lot of that. And when it really comes down to what's important, oh, I'll tell you, I am grateful for the moment and the time that God has given us to be able to stop, get off the treadmill of the world, get into His presence, think on Him, think on what's ahead for us. Oh, it's glorious. I've I got to be careful I don't get ahead of myself here. I'm going to take today, if I can, because I, I, I really am going to take a human perspective in part because we're all human here this morning. But I believe we, we have, as much as we have humanity and thinking and our natural intellect and minds, yet God operates on a greater level. And he has to break the shell of our humanity, break our our sometimes our, our 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 crust, if I can say, and to break us down to where he can truly speak to us. And so, I want to take the human part, but I, I also want to take it to where we're really going. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna refer to a few scriptures, but and and you don't have to turn to them. I'm gonna go quickly with a few of these, but. First, First Timothy 3, verse 16 would say, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. It was not just a good man. It was not just a prophet. But it was God that came in flesh. And as much as there had to be a Calvary, there had to be a resurrection. And as much as there had to be a resurrection, there had to be an ascension. And as much as there was an ascension, there had to be a pouring out of him back onto the earth again. In order for the fulfillment of even John 17 and God's great purpose. So that life was projected into the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 18. I really like the way John will take the perspective. Luke will often take the perspective of the man because that was a man anointing upon him. But John is speaking with an eagle perspective and he would say it this way. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father hath declared him. So we, we didn't see God in, in, in all of his characteristics, but when Jesus came, he was the declaration of all that God was. Now, it, it, I'm going to just back up a little bit here. Now, we, we can look back and say that because we have the benefit of 2,000 years of history and such, but also what God has made real to us. But imagine if you were living in that time. Imagine if you were one of the disciples Imagine if you were fishing and he told you, leave your nets and come. Because we need to be able to identify with what spoke to us and what resonated in us. And he's spoken to us in this day. So in that time, and the Bible would say in John 1 verse 3, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. But in him was life, and the life was the light of men And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a time I was a young man coming to church. I didn't comprehend really what I was listening to. But God came and made it real. Thankfully, I'm so glad he did. Now, it would go on to say, we drop down to verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. So we, we, we're going to just dwell on this path just for a little bit. We, we, in our carnal thinking, often don't see the big picture of what God's doing. We have the benefit today of being 50-plus years from when Brother Branham came but if we would have lived at the time of Brother Branham and what God was doing in that time, we would have been, you know, uh, uh, watching discernment and watching miracles and watching things. Maybe not even seeing what we were really going to. And, and, and I'll, I'll qualify that. You know, even Jesus... When he did the miracles, and then people would say, of a truth, a prophets came into the world. And then Jesus catches their thoughts, and he saw that they wanted to make him a king. And he said, no, it's not time for that yet. And he went away into a secret place alone. So is it with the message. There are so many things that we heard at that time, if we would have been there, or if you've come since. But as we move along, we're beginning to see a bigger picture unfold. Where, and even Brother Branham would see it unfold in front of him. He'd say, your eternal life didn't start on a pew one night. Or in a church one night. But it was always there. And, and at the rising of the sun, God uncovered it. And you got quickened. And it didn't, didn't start there and it doesn't end here. It actually projects into eternity. And that's the part I'm looking for. So he would say... He came to his own, his own received him not. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the eternal life, the aspect was not limited to Jesus Christ. But it was, it was we were partakers of it. I had taken this on Wednesday, I believe. and I'm just going to read it. Well, actually, I'll, I'll leave that one. I'll read this. Brother Barnum would say, and who is this Melchizedek? The difference between Jesus and us as a son. See, Jesus, he was in the beginning the word, an morphe body. He came and lived in the person of Melchizedek. Paul would identify him in the book of Hebrews. He lived by the power of an endless life. He said he, he said he lived in the person of Melchizedek. We hear no more of Melchizedek because later he became Jesus Christ. Melchizedek was a priest, but he became Jesus Christ. So we, we, we're picking up on the life of Christ. Now he says the difference between that and us is we bypassed that part. In that form, he knowed all things. We have never been able to know that yet. You came, like Adam, like me, we became from the attribute to the flesh to be tempted. But when this life is finished, we, if we, this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. You know, I'm so glad that I can look and say in all the time of feeding on the message, it's not just theology. But it's actually, there's a reality. And I'm grateful that I can say and I can point back, well, back there... I reacted this way to this situation. And then when this happened, I did this way. And if you're tested and tried along the way, but then you begin to see things change and you react differently. And your desires are differently. And, and, and what you once loved, you now hate. And, and what you once hated, you now love. And that is not something that comes from your natural birth. That comes from a spiritual birth. That's another life form. That's something God has endowed us with. I'm, I'm so grateful that's happening. and it, it isn't stopping. It's moving. Amen. It's, it's real time. It's happening as, even as we go along. Amen. You know, I, 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 we just had such good fellowship in the office. Brother Ray, we were talking and just saying, you know, with all that's going on in the world, it's amazing. We're not even fearful. Yeah. I, I'm not just saying, are you concerned? I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm wondering, how is this going to work out? But I'm not just... <laughs> No, I'm just saying, Lord, it's in your hands. Amen. I'm in your hands. We're in your hands. You haven't brought us this far to lose us. What a comfort. What a, what a, what a trust we have. What a place we are in. Not everybody has that. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I'll say we're walking it out. Oh, my. He, he, he would say here, Look back and see what we've done. We don't understand it. We never became the Word. We become the flesh, man, not the Word. This is out of the quote, who is this Melchizedek? Now, I I need to pick up just a few other scriptures here for a moment. Let, Let me read one more quote, and I'll come to a scripture. When God created me, William Branham, I was before the foundation of the world. He made my being my spirit. I wasn't conscious of anything Oh, I don't believe you get it. Jesus told his disciples, they were with him before the foundation of the world. Paul said that he chose us in him before the world began. And he said, now there's some part of me, some part of Orman Neville, and the rest of you, that's in Christ Jesus before the world ever began. We don't know that. But yet there's something that responds. It's like that eagle, when it hears the call, and it begins to jump off the fence, and it hears the voice, it cries. It can't help it. There was representation there. Now, we didn't pre-exist, but in seed form, God placed the seed, knowing at a certain time that seed would be quickened or could be quickened. Because we were seed, therefore we could be reborn. So there's that seed that's in us. God's bringing that to life. God's quickening that to us. As the old dies out, the new comes out. New resurrection life comes out. So we don't see that. We, we struggle with it. We, we sometimes say, okay, you know, what should I dress What's the rules? How do I pay my... We we look at quite often the natural side of even the message. I can't wait to get back to church. And you know, how are we going to do this? And I'm looking forward to get back to church. But more than that, I'm looking to jump out of maybe just making a pit stop at church and coming back over to the other side. We need to be able to look beyond the natural. And we need to be able to see something further. Listen, if somebody offered you, would you like to, you know, we, we often just project as far as the rapture. If I can make it up to the rapture, if I can just get over there, oh, that'll be so good. No, I'm not just looking for the la- rapture. I'm looking for the Lord. I, I, listen, I love streets of gold. I love walls of Jasper. That's a, a benefit, but I don't even care if I never get that. Give me just something on the other side. Let me know my Lord. Let me be with Him forever. That alone is life. If you're just caught up in, i, I got to do this right, i got to fix that, I'll say there's another channel God wants to bring you in that goes beyond just the veil. There's an anchor that's way deep. It's going deeper all the time. Now let's just just look at it. Because Jesus came. He held eternal life. And you know, he would make remarks and they wouldn't understand him. He stood there one day and he said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And they're all going... Are you kidding me? This temple was 40 years in building. And you're going to destroy it in three days and raise it up. Like, come on. This guy's a nutcase. But yet he was talking about this temple. Within three days I'll raise it up. Not one of his words. But we need to be able to catch what he's saying. So it's not just the literal understanding. But Lord, make it real to me. What you're saying. We jostle with quotes and scripture sometimes and fit this in and fit this in. But you know where it's really understood? is when you're in prayer, when you're in meditation, when you're sitting in a service and something strikes you. That's when it's real. So let's just look at the disciples. I I took this just a a couple of weeks ago, but it's in Luke chapter 18. And uh, this is where Jesus would be speaking to his disciples. And it's amazing that in just the, the week, the hours before this all happens, that, that, you know, he says it so plainly, and yet it's misunderstood or not understood. And this is in verse 31. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, all the things that are written. This is Luke chapter 18, verse 31. He says, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. So, uh, I'll come back to that. He says, now, he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles. He'll be mocked. He'll be spitefully entreated. He'll be spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day, he'll rise again. Now, I'll tell you what. If you would have really received that message in the light of what God was meaning at that moment... Then Peter would have never denied him. Then the disciples wouldn't have scattered for fear. But they didn't really catch it at the moment that they heard it. That's the same with the message. We don't often catch it. Oh, I've listened to that tape. Have you really heard that tape? And I'll say, I listened to that day at Calvary maybe five times. And I heard it again. But I heard way more than I ever did here before. Why? It's more real to us all the time. And he's, so verse 34, and they understood none of these things. Like, I mean, how much more real do you gotta be? I'm gonna be killed, and I'm gonna rise up in three days. Uh, uh, I don't know what he just said there. Let's just go on. You know, that, that's what their thinking was. And they understood none of these things, and the saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things that were spoken. I mean, you talk, I'll tell you what? We're, we're, we're getting more of a reality on, on some of the aspects of what God has left us. When Brother Brandon would make statements, these tapes will live on, and you'll come to find in the days to pass that it's exactly so. I'll tell you what, it's more real all the time. Uh, it's exciting. This world is falling apart, but it's exciting because we're going home. We're not going to stay here forever. That ought to rejoice you. I, I was watching some church leaders, and and I, I won't mention their names, but you know they're doing everything from cursing coronavirus. And a bunch of them got together, and one of them is, "I blow that demon out of here." Well, I'll say this: God has allowed it to come, but I'll say this: our protection is is not to get rid of the thing. It's it's that it won't touch us. That God will keep us. That's our protection. You know, they're, they're, they're looking to preserve their kingdom here. I don't have a kingdom here to preserve. I've I got a place on the other side. That's the place I want to go to. So let's just jump ahead. Let's go to John chapter 12. I'm, I'm going to use a couple of scriptures here. Um, and, and this just, I want to make this real from the human perspective if I can for just a little bit. John chapter 12, and this is where, let's start in verse 12. And on the next day, much people were coming to the feast. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees. They went forth to meet him, crying, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh. Sitting on an ass's colt." Now, I'll just stop there for a minute. If you read the other accounts in the Bible, it says, The city was much moved. People were affected. They thought, what is going on here? You know, and they, and they said, stop this from happening. And Jesus would say, if they stop, the rocks have to cry out. Yeah. Now, all of that's happening around. People are affected. They don't know what's going on. They can't see it. But look at the next verse, verse 16. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But I'm glad there was a second and a third <laughs> and a fourth. I may not have caught this all. You know, there's, there's an element of, of of skull and things that has to penetrate. And sometimes I feel like God has to knock me over the head. It's like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I feel sometimes Jesus has to rebuke us. Why are you so slow of heart? Why, you know, he, he went a little further. He was a little more blunt. Oh, you fools. Why are you so slow? Why can't you get this? Oh, if we can... I'll tell you what, there's got to be a passion about the Word. There's got to be something that activates the Scriptures to us. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to catch what you're saying. I I want it to be real to me. I don't want a memorial of Easter. I want this resurrection, this day, this life. I don't want to look at a God of history. I want that God of history to come down and be real. And these things understood not the disciples at first, but... When Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these things that were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. Oh, my. <laughs> Let's go over to Matthew 26. I'm just going to use a couple of scriptures. This is where we live. This is where I live. A minister doesn't catch everything at once. Brother Branham didn't catch it all at once. Matthew 26, and I say this, if you aren't getting it, stay with it. You don't know the time, the hour. Matthew 26. We're going to pick this up in verse 6. Now Jesus came to, I'm just going to summarize this. You can read 6 to 13, but this is when a woman came with an alabaster box poured it on him and the disciples. Now, in a natural way, they're looking and they said, what are you wasting all of this for? Now, she was being moved on a level that was beyond natural comprehension. There was something in her that was moving her and the disciples missed it. But then verse 10 says, when Jesus understood it, oh, he said, why do you trouble the woman? She's doing a good work. The poor you have, but you don't. me you don't have. She's pouring an ointment on me. She's anointing me for my burial. Now, <laughs> how would you like to somebody come up to you and say, I just want to anoint you with this embalming fluid because, you know, pretty soon you're, you're, you're I, I mean, you wouldn't rejoice in that. <laughs> but you know what? He, he was identifying with us. He wasn't just identifying in his own death, but his death was going to be an identification with us who were born in death. Eternal life was going to identify with death. So he, he would say, verily I say this woman, she, what she's done will be a memorial to her. John 18. Just using a couple of scriptures quickly to make my point. John 18 This is in verse 10. Now they're in the garden of Gethsemane, and the soldiers come to get Jesus. In verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And when Jesus... And so you can read the other account, and I'll come back to it in a moment. But he says, you know, Peter's mindset, even though Jesus had had told him, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to do this, They wanted to make a natural king. We try often try to naturalize the message. We want to have a hero. We want to have a minister or a church or we want to have a certain move or something that we we can say, I'm gonna stay behind this. But God wants us to move to a higher level. I I appreciate the tapes and I want to listen to tapes, but it's it's not just the tapes, it's the life that is in the tapes. You know, Brother Adam makes an outstanding statement. He says, Satan does not care how correct you are in your doctrine. He doesn't care how much you under- listen to the tapes, how much you understand the tapes. And Brother Adam says this at the end, he says, but if you miss that life, I want the life of what was on those tapes to manifest and to become real. So Jesus tells Peter, he says, Peter, you're looking at this naturally. You want to protect me. I know you want to protect me. But he says, allow God to accomplish the work he wants. You know, I'm amazed at how, as I call it, this point of no return. Jesus didn't try to resist. He gave himself to it. You know, the same God that delivered Israel out out of Egypt, that brought them to a Red Sea, looked like a certain trap. He was the same God then. He's the same God in Jesus' time. He's the same God in this time. You're going to be herded into a corner. They might put you and say, you've got to self-isolate. We're going to come and get you. We're going to do this. And they're going to come one day and we're not there. Why? Because that same God is able to deliver us and bring us out of here. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He knows how to bring these things. Let's back up to verse 1. I want to, this is when Jesus enters the garden uh, in in John 18, verse 1, Judas comes and um, let's let's drop down to verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all these things that should come upon him, he went forth and said to them, so he knows they're coming for him. He's not running to hide. He comes up to him and says, hey, who are you looking for? He knows exactly who they're looking for. He knows what he's doing. And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, oh, he's over there. No, he didn't say that. He says, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. And as soon as they, he said unto them, I am he, look, look at their reaction. They went backward and fell to the ground. They thought they were going to have to dig through every foxhole. They thought they were going to have to look for him and scour him. He's somewhere here. He's slipped out of our hands before. He's done all of this. But now he just says, I'm here. You got me. No, no, no. That's not you. No. <laughs> it's not really you. Yes, it is me. Trust me. I-, I love the testimony. I don't know. It was Polycarp, I believe. Brother Bam said he didn't take him as a messenger because he, was, he wasn't as fervent uh, as Irenaeus was, regarding dom- denominationalism, but Polycarp, a tremendous man of God. And, and when they were coming for him, rather than hide, he gave himself up, and they martyred him. But you talk about a saint of God. Friends, it's in God's hands. As, as Jesus allowed himself to move into the channel, God was bringing him to so do we. And He said, whom seek you? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, Jesus, you know, after they fell to the ground and picked themselves up, verse 7, he says, whom seek you? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I've told you, I'm he. Like, could you believe? They, they, They had a hard, like, believer, unbeliever had a hard time comprehending what was going on in front of them. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He says, don't worry about them. Just let them go. You want me? You got me. You talk about giving yourself over to the will of God. You know, the greatest thing you can give is yourself, your will, your desires, your life. Allow Him to live through you. Oh, it's the most glorious thing. It is glorious. Let's go Matthew 26. I'm using a few scriptures. I'm trying to bring the natural perspective to the eternal life that was... Was in in front of us, Matthew chapter 26. This is picking it up in verse 52. Now, this is where Peter took the sword out, and Jesus said unto him, Put again the sword into his place, for all that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Now, listen to his words here at the time this happens Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father? And he will presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Now just think about that. That was there at his disposal. Everything was given to him. But he had a mission to accomplish. And the mission was to save Adam's fallen race. All whose names were in the book. And he says... I, I got all these angels. I, I know this is all happening in front of me. Could you imagine where he was living? All of that around him. All of this in front of him. And yet he's submitting himself to it. And then he says, now if I did that with these angels, verse 54, how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be? He goes on to say, in the same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out against me are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves i sat daily with you teaching in the temple you did in the temple you laid no hold on me but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled then all his disciples forsook him and fled he gave himself now i i i as i just touched on this briefly let's just jump jump over to matthew 27 and let's just go over to verse 39 for a minute. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they passed by, reviled him. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and build it in, buildest it in three days, save yourself. Now, I feel like that saying had a little bit of a sarcastic tone to it. I don't think that they were begging him to do it. I think they were mocking him. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Where did that if come from? Jesus encountered that before when he was in in fasting and prayer and the tempter came to him. If thou be, if thou be. Where have we heard that before? If you guys are the bride, if you're this and this, then let this and this happen. No, we don't listen to that voice. That's another voice. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe him. Now, they want to say, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. So they're mocking him, and they're actually saying, he couldn't even save himself. And really they were paying him the greatest compliment, because if he saved himself, he wouldn't have saved us. But who caught that in the moment that it was happening? Sometimes our greatest victories come through natural events we can't figure out. Why did this go wrong in my life? Why did this happen with my car? Why did this happen, We you know, in my job? Why did this happen with this? Why did that happen? Why did it happen? It's an opportunity for faith to step up and for God to show himself in a greater way. Amen. He's able to deliver us. He's able to keep us and preserve us. Let's, let's never... Never despise. You know what? I don't know who, who said it, but they said there's no atheists in foxholes. If you're in a foxhole and you're stuck, you're going to call on God. Amen. You're going you're to need God on your behalf. Amen. I believe that we're going to need him as we step forward. But you don't have to worry. He's already here. There's a man that can turn on the light. I, I, I know he's here. You know, it's not conditional. You know, I was listening to that message on Friday and I, it so struck me. It's not my good works, it's his good works, it's what he did. I could never live good enough. And then no matter how good I live today, tomorrow I'll stumble somewhere. But he's already paid for that. He's already taken care of that. The price has been paid. Sin is no longer. I am his. I'm bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I just touched on this briefly about Jesus catching the picture of the angels. Now, Imagine you have to put yourself, Brother Barnum would speak in identification, identify yourself with a character, how they acted, how would you have acted? You know, I, I read a book one time, and it's on, on uh, three kings, and it talks about uh, King Saul, King David, and Absalom, when he was made king. And you watch all these characters, I'll tell you what, I've never read that book once and identified with Saul. I've never read that book once and identified with Absalom. But I've identified with David a whole lot. <laughs> you know, and so you identify with characters and you say, that's how they acted. That, you know, how did David act when, when Joab said, cut off Saul's garment? David couldn't even do it. And when he did just a little bit, it smote his heart. I think that's the way I want. I want to be like Christ and like Christ was in the saints of old. So, as you think about those angels that are there, there's somebody else that's there. And it's Lucifer, known as Satan, known as the devil, the geeko, whatever you, language you want to put him in, the teufel, whatever it is. Same guy. He's there, but there's something that's sealed unto him. See, he was up in heaven, and he saw the glory of God. He saw all that God was, but he didn't really know the hidden attributes that were within God. He didn't, you know, he saw Moses, he saw the signs, the miracles, and he saw all of that. He saw John the Baptist, he saw Elijah, he saw all the patriarchs of old and Abraham, and he saw the humanity of them, and he knew he could trip them all up somewhere, and he did. He even tripped up David. But he's looking at this one, but what was hidden to him, what he didn't know, how could that be God... And, and no doubt he anointed the soldiers, smite him and, and maybe make him to drink vinegar and make him to do all these things. He's going to show his colors that he's really God. He's going to step down off of this cross. But what he didn't know is sealed in that humanity and in that vessel was eternal life. He did not know that or else he never would have let the blood drip down on the earth where it would claim you and me. He never would have done it. But God sealed it. So in that being. Oh, friends, it's revealed to babes as such would learn. The devil can't understand this. You know, I I thank God that he sealed it. that, That the devil couldn't understand it. And I thank God that there's something in me that can see the nature of Christ, the love of God. This was not the third person of a trinity. This was God himself who came down and bled for me, ascended up on high, and now lives in me. (laughs) When you see that picture, when you go to that Calvary, you can never be the same. So there was a hidden part that Satan couldn't do. Now, God was also in the Old Testament revealing the hidden parts of Satan. Because Satan, you know, nobody really knew what he was like up there. Nobody knew why he was cast down. So one day God anointed the prophet, and I think it was Ezekiel, and he said in Ezekiel chapter 14, and he's starting to speak to a king, Tyrus, that was there, and he says, you were beautiful in your day. Now he's not speaking to the natural king, but he's speaking to the spirit that's dominating that king, which is the same spirit that came from heaven. So up till that point, now Lucifer is being exposed; he is being shown his characteristics, the beauty that he had. Isaiah actually identified him too. You were you were wonder you had you were perfect until iniquity was found in you. So he was being exposed by the Word of God. So death was being exposed for what it is. But life was also being exposed for what it is. Even though Lucifer was right at the throne of God, he had nothing in common with God. The characteristics of this lovely Jesus, there was nothing that Lucifer could identify. And he still can't. You know what he can't stand? is that life that's living in you and me. He can't stand it. He can't compete with it. He can't reason with it. He can't do anything. That's the token. That's what we've been given again today. Oh, I thank God for it. Oh. Brother Branham would say this. The devil thought, I got him now. He started at Calvary. He began circling. Now, as he was going up the road, the blood started streaming out of his body. His garment was wrapped around him, one big splash of blood. The devil said, I got him now. That can't be God. No, no, no. But it was. <laughs> he said, the de- He says, that can't be him. I'm going to let the soldier spit in his face. If he would let me jerk out handfuls of his beard, John the Baptist had a beard, Jesus had a beard. I'm just saying that. He said, if he would challenge them to see a vision, he couldn't do it. And there he goes up the hill packing that cross. I'll have him in a few minutes. The bee of death came down circling to sting him. Could you imagine if Satan really knew? Here he had, he could, he's, he's taking care of David. He's taking care of Moses. He's taking care, and here's another one. But he doesn't quite, he says, there's no way. This guy, you know, and he did everything he could. No, for sure it's not God. And then the bee of death came down, and like any bee, it's got a stinger in it. And God prepared the flesh at that time. It was the flesh of God. And when that stinger anchored into the Son of God, into Emmanuel, when he pulled himself out, there was no stinger left. The devil was mortally wounded there. He's got no more power. He's already been defeated. He cannot do anything to you, to me, to any of us because the stinger was anchored into eternal life. And, and death was swallowed up in life. Right. Eternal life. He says, he took the sting right out of death. No wonder Paul would say, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is your victory? He said, thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think it was in the Psalms or somewhere, but... It would say, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Brother Armin Hauch, that's Brother Uva's father-in-law, precious is that today because he can go into the presence of God. Oh, death has, it's, it's just a moment and you're there on the other side. You know what, it's welcoming. We're just going to pass from everything I hate on this side into everything I love on this side. Yeah. Did you catch it on the tape the other day? You know, that Brother Adam was saying, you know, we're, we're, we love to squirrel hunt. We love to do things here. And he says, oh, it's wonderful. And he says, Brother Adam, Brother Charlie Cox, he says, are we going to squirrel hunt in heaven? And I, I, don't, I don't think so, Brother Charlie. He says, I don't think so. Wow, oh, man, but we like it so much. And he says, no, he said, Brother Charlie... Think if you were a pig, and you enjoyed being a pig, and somebody made you a human one time. Would you ever want to go back to being a pig again? Okay, don't answer that. (laughs) But he said, now multiply that by 10,000. And he says, that's what it'll be like on the other side. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, but the Lord has revealed it to us. It's the very focus of my life. It causes me to do things that I don't even understand. It causes me to turn down opportunities. It causes me to shun the world. It's so real, friends. It's our life. It's hidden here, and God's going to make sure it gets back to him. Okay, i got to move over on here a little bit. In the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, and I'm not going to really turn to it other than for myself here, so if you can see me turning my notes, some of you that sit at the back can now look and see what I'm doing because you get live streaming. At any rate... Adam, Brother Branham, and the Bible would say, but Brother Branham would put clarity on it and said, Adam held the title deed. The title deed to earth, but actually it would, if I could say it this way, it was a book he called it, but it was a title deed. And when Adam fell, the title deed didn't go to Satan, but it went back to God, So the title deed, in the title deed was Adam's right to eternal life. In the title deed was his right to govern over the earth. And in there was everything. And I thought, did he really have a book? Did he really have, or what did he have? He actually held life. And I thought, we, we talk often about what we're being given back to, the deed in this last day. This is not really the focus of my subject today. I'll, I'll, Lord willing, I've been thinking on this, but just dropping this in. When we got the book in this last day, was it a book? Or what was it, really, that we received? What was under them seals? What was... See, the seals weren't the mysteries. The seals held the mysteries. But underneath the seals were the mysteries, which are the seven thunders of Revelation 10. And those thunders are only revealed to a certain group that can take it. And that's what we're receiving. You know, we say, "Oh, I've got the seven seals. Well, if it's sealed, it's no good to us. But if it's open to us, and it's open to a special class of people, to babes such as would learn, it actually causes a thunder in us. It causes an understanding, not just a hearing. If I can say it this way, if you notice, in Revelations 5, the Lamb took the book. And when he took the book, it was, became the Lamb's book of life. All that names that were in there became the book. Amen. So there was a taking of the book in Revelations 5. But you go over to Revelations 10 down to verse 8. And it says, now we are commissioned to take the book not out of the seventh angel. The seventh angel never really held the book. It came directly from the mighty angel. We are also commissioned to take the book. So there's two parts to taking this book. So the second part is in the Lamb who could give it to us. Back in the book, I I hope, I I really probably need to take time on this, but I, I, I just need to say, what are we taking? We're feeding on something that causes us, think about the confusion the disciples were under. Okay, he said this. I don't quite get it. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. I don't understand that. But they kept going. They kept eating the book. What they didn't understand at the first, they kept eating. And one day their understanding opened to them. So what we're doing, we're eating. I don't understand this, but I'm going to keep eating. It's difficult to swallow sometimes. It's different than anything I ever ate before. But I'll tell you what, it's doing something in you. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. What are you talking about? The very essence of life. We're feeding on not the words of a man, but the body word of the son of man. And as you feed on it, it causes that life to move into you. So really, you're taking a book. But it's not just a book. It's life. You know, I'm so glad. I I I don't know if I can say that today, but maybe by next Sunday or some other Sunday, I'll be able to say it. We're not just believing theology. And and I say it relative because when you watch the sun rise into position, the sun, it forces the life out of the earth. It causes geese to come flying back. It causes the birds to come. It causes the snow to melt. It's happening. I believe it's going to happen. I'm saying it by faith. It's causing the snow to melt. It's causing life to come back up. It is the only, this is the only theology that has a practical application to the earth around it. There's no book of Buddha. There's no book of Muslim. There's no nothing. It's only in this. And it doesn't stop at the earth. It goes right to humanity. The very life of Christ. The seed that I've taken. It's got to come forth. It's in me. Amen. It's in this message. Oh, praise God. So, back in Genesis when Adam could not, when he lost his right to the tree of life, when the, deed, the title deed went back into the hands of God, God put a seal to, in the Garden of Eden saying, this cherubim is going to block the way you can't get at it lest you partake of the pre- tree of life. So, and he also said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. he will bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. So when you look at it, this was all going to be fulfilled at Calvary. That devil, that serpent, whose very beings were changed, who, 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 who was whole body composition, but he's speaking to the spirit that was in that being, and he's saying, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. So he's, That was all fulfilled at Calvary, and the devil lost his sting. Now, we we, we know the events that happened uh, regarding the veil being torn from top to bottom and all of that, but now I'm just going to, oh my. Let's go to John chapter 6 for a moment. Brother Mark, I didn't give you this, but if you can turn to it, John chapter 6. I just want to pick up a couple of scriptures in here, and then I'm going to finish with another part in the book of John so let's just, just stay with me for a few more minutes as I go. Are you, I can't even ask you if you're enjoying the word, but you know what, I feel like we should have a bunch of monitors of all of you at home, and you can have placards, and even though I can't hear you, you can put up the placard, amen, preach it, and no doubt somebody will have one that's like this, but that's okay, I, I, I can take it. <laughs> John chapter 6, verse 14, let's just take this, uh, again, we're, we're in this, Dichotomy of the natural versus the spirit. It's right where we live. We can take the view up, you know, way up in the stratosphere looking down and we can see it. But it's got to come to where we live. Where it's got to become a reality. I'm not just living that I can claw my way up to the door of the rapture and somehow get in. I've got representation on the other side. There are scriptures that Jesus had that I will not suffer my Holy One to seek corruption, and he walked through death knowing that scripture. There are scriptures for me on the other side that I'm going to be back where the sons of God were, rejoicing and shouting before the throne of God. i got a scripture in Revelation chapter 3. I will sit on the throne with him. I've got too many scriptures that are over there that to stop here you've got to see the rapture as just a door that you're going through to finish eternal life Amen. brother Adam would say in future home your eternal life was interrupted but God came to bring it back and connect it to where it ought to go oh thank God for that John chapter 6 verse 14 And I'm in John chapter 14, verse 6. Okay, I'll get back there. Okay. So, this is when Jesus uh, breaks the bread, the loaves, the fishes, and they're all looking at it. So, why did Jesus do that? It's just so everybody would look at him and say, hey, that's a neat trick. Let's do that again. Friends, when Brother Branham would do the discernment, it was to catch attention, I'll tell you what, when you caught something in this message, it pulled you out of denomination because you said, I, I can't be identified with that. Not because that this is another, no, no, no. You just recognize, I've got to take all the word. And when you came to first pull, so that's wonderful, but this. Something kept pulling you to second, to third. And even now we're at, we got a nice church, but Lord, I don't want to identify with just a church. I want to identify with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be like Enoch was. I want to be where he was, had more over there that he couldn't stay here. So that, that life keeps pulling you. So here he says, the fish is in loaves. Verse 14. And then these men which had seen the miracle that Jesus did. This is a truth that a prophet should come into the world. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force. And make him a king. He departed again into the mountain himself alone. It wasn't time for him to become the king yet. He had to go through Calvary. So Jesus knowing his place in the word. Now, Brother I'll I'll come to it as we go along here. Verse 25 up down to verse 25, and when they found him, so he was with his disciples, they took a boat, and then they saw Jesus when they got to the other, how'd you get here? Good question. If Jesus, if he allowed Peter to walk on the water, so Jesus could too. So he says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, how camest thou hither? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat that perisheth. Don't labor to be part of this church because it'll keep you from going to hell. That that's not even, that's ought not to be your reason. Your reason ought to be, oh God, I don't want to be in this family just to be protected under the token. But Lord, let me have my own token. Let me have my own life with you, my own walk with you. It's not good enough for mom and dad. It's got to be for everyone in the household. Labor not for the meat that perisheth, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life. He's trying to transition them from natural things to heavenly things. And he says, which the Son of Man shall give you. Oh, I like that. <laughs> he says, for him hath the Father sealed, hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Oh, this, this is a tremendous chapter, this whole chapter in the Bible. What should we do that we could work the works of God? Should I go out and do this? No, no, here, here, here's your answer. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. What is the work of God in Noah's day? To believe on Noah. What is the work of God in Moses' day? To believe on Moses. What is the work of God in Jesus' day? To believe on Jesus. And actually, the, pray, the, the quick sequel to Jesus was John the Baptist. To get the attention. What is the work in this day? Not just William Branham, but the Elijah of this day is the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was not just William Branham, but the revealing of the Son of Man. And not just the revealing of the Son of Man, but the life, the body word, to come back into us. Just like it did in that day. Eternal life. Inhabiting us again at this resurrection. Because only eternal life will be resurrected. Not church members. Not tape followers. Not church. And I'm saying that not to demean those things. But I'm saying don't stop there. You've got to go further. Oh my. There's some pull somewhere. I believe there's some here and I believe there's some somewhere out there too. So he goes on to say. Verse 30. What sign showest thou that we may see thee and believe thee? And that, and what is what doest thou work? Our our fathers did eat man in the wilderness, as it is written, He hath given them bread from heaven. So they're going back to the bread again. You know, Easter is a time when you bake bread. They're telling me that one of the most sought-after commodities in the stores now is yeast. Everybody's into baking bread right now. Listen, they were into baking bread at that Easter too, or at that time. But there's a heavenly bread. Okay, you all cut that good. And Jesus again answers, says, Moses gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they said, Lord, evermore give us of this bread. Oh, just wonderful, wonderful scriptures. Ah, my. Verse, I, I need to sort of put ourselves in the picture here because Jesus He wasn't pointing just to himself. He wasn't doing this so we would feel sorry for him. But he was doing this because of us. Because we were included. Look, listen to these words. These are beautiful words. Verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh me I will in no wise cast out. And I came down from heaven not to do the, mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that all that he has given me. Oh, there were the disciples that were there, but there was those through seven church ages. There were all of those that were there before. All that the Father has given him. Job believed unto him. Moses believed unto him. The saints of the Old Testament believed unto him. Everybody that lived after believed unto him. They were part of this eternal life given by the Father to Jesus. For I am come, uh, verse 39, and this is the Father's will that he has sent me, that of all which he should given, I should lose nothing. Right. You know what? <laughs> when we get over there, we'll wonder why did I ever worry? Why did I ever worry? Look at what he said right here. I, listen, if I rose from the dead, you are going to raise from the dead. I will not lose you. You identified with me at Calvary. I'm identifying you with the resurrection, with quickening power, with the very illumination that you need in this hour. That's the quickening power. It, it, it starts before it ever hits your natural body. It hits your soul. And the word becomes alive to you. And it causes you to live it out. That's the quickening power. I will lose none and raise it up at this last day. This is the will of him that sent me. That everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Now, if he was so adamant about all his other words, I'm going to choose that he's also adamant about these words. I will lose none of them. I will raise them up at the last day. And then in the meantime, there's the Jews. Hmm. What's this about the bread and the heavenly thing again? (laughs) Like, did you not just hear what he said? But there was no identification. I could read much of this as we go down. And, 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 but I'm going I'm to skip over you. This is a wonderful chapter, chapter 6, 7, 8. These are all wonderful chapters, but as we, our time is running out, we've got to move all, along a little bit. I'm going to just... Uh... Okay, turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to make this our final scripture. John chapter 20. Now the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, into the sepulchre. She seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre, and she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, the guy who was writing this. And he says, Whom Jesus loved and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre. We know not whether they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre and they both ran together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. You know, I like the way the other disciple said it. Just like Moses had to say, Moses was the meekest man on earth. He had to write that in the scripture. Now this other disciple had to write these things and say he was a quicker runner than Peter. So (laughs) So now here, the other disciple comes in and verse five, and he stooped down and looking in, He saw the linen clothes lying, yet not he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeing the linen clothes lie. Now, like, drop down for a moment down to to, to verse 9. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So they're, they're trying to comprehend these events. They're trying to understand, okay, the stone is rolled away. The the clothes are lying there. Where is he? Is he hiding somewhere? What's going on here? Did somebody steal him? They didn't even think back to the scriptures Jesus already told them. But it's real. (laughs) Now, I I want you to notice something here in in verse 6 or verse 7. They saw the linen clothes lying there. And verse 7, and the napkin, which was about his head, not lying together with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now, that's kind of strange. If somebody would steal him, they wouldn't take the napkin off, fold it neatly, fold it there, put it over here, and then tear off the rest of the shreds and go running to steal him. And even Jesus, if he was going to rip this all off and take this all off, why would he take personal care to show that? Why did the Scriptures record this? It's for a purpose. It's showing that his work was not finished yet. Now, I, I read this, and there's some 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 thoughts on this, but it, it actually talks about the whole idea of a napkin, and, and they call it a napkin here, but really it's grave clothes, but it was around his head, but, but a napkin, when a napkin was put around somebody, they, they would start and put the napkin around, and they said, typically when you're eating at a meal, it said, in, in the Jewish customs, he said... It said when you fold a napkin, you're eating a meal, and you fold the napkin, it means you're not finished yet. And the servant would watch and said, oh, it's just folded. He's not finished. But when you're finished, you put the napkin on the plate. Jesus was not finished his earthly work yet. There was a part that was to be fulfilled that was going to come down the earth. It it didn't finish at Calvary. It didn't finish at the grave. But he had to resurrect. He had to ascend on high. He had to come down again. He had to live in a many minute body This was not the end of the story. The end of the story. There was going to be disciples. (laughs) They were going to gather in an upper room. And there was 120. Now just catch this for a moment, there was 500 plus that heard them, but only 120 made it to the upper room, and the 120 made it to the upper room, and that same life was going to come into them, and not only into them, but into 3,000 that were going to hear it, into those through seven church ages, that life was going to continue. Oh, I praise God for it. Listen, let me, let me take this for a moment. I got a few different things. I'm just gonna try and take the one that would. Die. Let's just take this. He said, He is the one who opened those seals. There was a seal back then. He is those seals. The whole word of God is Christ. Christ is the seals that was opened. What is the opening of the seals then? Revealing Christ. So when you recognize, as Brother Branham did, I am not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. I may have Kentucky characteristics. I may have an accent. I may like food. But there's a greater life that's living in me. That came from God. That's going back to God. Oh, praise God. Brother Ron Spencer, we pray for him this time. He was telling me about his father. Charlie Spencer. There was a minister's meeting, I think it was in North Carolina, Joe Green's. And they asked all the visiting ministers, there's always a big missionary meeting, all the big ministers to come, all the visiting ministers to come, come up to the pulpit, greet the people, say where they're from, and tell the people. So all the visiting ministers, and Brother Ron watches, and he sees his dad coming up there. Said, "What's he doing walking up here?" And he walks right up to the pulpit, and he he says, "Now, what's he going to do?" He says, "I'm Charlie Spencer. I came from glory, and I'm going back to glory." And he goes back on sitting down. (laughs) I think we ought to be able to say that. I got some representation on the other side. Oh my! Praise God! (laughs) Quickening power! Quickening power! Uh, You know, if you ever just, and and you listen to rising of the sun, Brother Branham makes a statement, I always stuck with me. What a resurrection that was. What a resurrection this is. When Jesus died and he went down, and he didn't stay in the grave because you cannot bottle up eternal life. Quickening power drew him from the grave. Quickening power rose that body. But it wasn't just that body. It was to be everybody that was identified in that body that would also raise with him. Therefore, when he raised, I raised. When he raised, you raised. We're all being raised yet today. Quickening power. I'm I'm winding down. Quickening power, he says, snatched us from death to life. It gives us discernment to see what's wrong. Quickening power. Our Lord was so full of it. He says, you destroy this body, I'll raise it up. What did he say then? He knew what was written of him. I will not suffer my holy one to seek corruption. I know what's written of me. John chapter 6, I will lose none of them. They will be there and all their loved ones. I believe that's the way we got to apply the word. If I can say it this way, and listen, I'll have the musicians come. That'll show I'm serious about closing. I'll have the musicians come, but listen, the if you can identify, don't let the stopping part of this message be do's and don'ts. Don't let it be just coming to a church, just being on the church directory, but let it be eternal life that is living in you and quickening you. It might cause you to do things different than your mom and dad. It might cause you to go into your room and pray. It might cause you to seek and be alone with God somewhere. It might cause you to be more fervent than, than others would be. But it's a life that quickens you and dominates you. Oh, I think we need to lay in the presence of the Son. Allow Him to quicken us. When that quickening power hits us, it, 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 I'll tell you what, it, it removes the seal From our hearts and our lives. The world is veiled. They're blinded by the God of this evil age. But when we recognize, I've got something that God is desiring to bring back. I've got to get back there. Potentially, I'm resurrected. I cannot stay in this Laodicean world. I have no part of it. But there's a part of me that's represented on the other side. I'm so glad that it's it's in me. Is it? Are we? Is, is that eternal life veiled? It's veiled to the world today. What what makes you guys just so happy? What? How? how aren't you guys worried about what's going to happen? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what. I'm living in real time. I'm walking with Him. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't going to touch. When He resurrected, He was not going to come back in His corporal body onto the earth again until He comes with His bride. But in the meantime, he's going to walk this earth in his bride. His works were not finished when he's, his sandals touched the earth, but they're still going on right now. And I say, take, take my life, take my hands, and take, take my eyes, take everything about me, and Lord, let it be quickened. I trust that's your desire. Brother Ray, can you come? I feel like I, just as I was talking there, I thought about the song, Take These Hands. Let God live in you. Let let His life be expressed in you. It's a mystery. It's sealed to the world. But God's going to deliver us and bring us there. Don't know how, but it's going to happen. It's bubbling up. It's resurrecting in me. I thank God for it. Don't you? Amen. Take
1: these hands and lift them up. drank to pray.